I'm concluding a series called Tomorrow. And I want to preach to you about I Have a Dream. I want to talk to you today about vision, uh, the vision of this church, vision for your life. And I, I want to share with you today about vision. I want to begin by reading Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18. Proverbs 29 and verse number 18. The Word of God says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no revelation from God, where there is no direction from God, where there is no dream from the Lord, the people perish. I want you to understand that vision is so important. Don't you dare minimize the importance of vision. Vision is important for your life. Vision is important for your family. Vision is important for this church. Where there is no vision, people perish. And so today I want to talk to you about vision, the vision of this church, the vision that God has given us as a body of believers. I want to begin this message by asking you a question. How many of you on your cell phone, you have texting? How many of you have texting? Come on, help me out here. How many of you? You have texting on your cell phone. All right. Here's even a better question. I want to know how many of you use it. So how many of you every single day, at least once a day, you text somebody? How many of you just text somebody at least once a day? Man, we got a textually active church around here. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I was driving down I-35, and there was a lady who had Texas plates. Um, Assuming she was from Texas, and... I was following her. I was driving behind her on I-35, and she began to swerve. And I thought, what's wrong with her? Swerving across the road, so I got over in the next lane. I kind of pulled up to see what she was doing. How many know what she was doing? Yeah. Yeah, she, she was texting. Here's another question. How many of you, when you, how many of you text while you're driving? Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't practice safe text in this church. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, and here, here, here this lady is. I don't know what she was doing, driving with her knees and texting, swerving, drive. How many of you drive with your knees when you text? Come on, that wasn't everybody. I'm nervous. Come on. Some of y'all freestyling, just driving hands, just nothing on the wheels, just going. You no safe text up in here. I'm telling you what. And, and, and this lady was swerving. She was. She was swerving on the road. And, and here's what I begin to think. I, this just went through my mind in about 30 seconds. I begin to think, this lady could kill herself right now. Her eyes, she, she has lost vision of where she should be going. And her eyes are down. And not only could she kill herself, I, I thought that. I said, she could kill me. This woman's crazy driving, swerving all over the road, and she could kill others. Because here's the deal. When you get your eyes off the vision, it's detrimental to you and to others. It's dangerous to get your eyes off the vision. And friends, can I tell you that this church, God has given us a vision. We don't just have an idea. How many of you at least had one good idea this week? I got to pray for this church. My Lord, y'all can't get one, y'all can't get one idea all week long. 
But, but I want you to know this church didn't start with a good idea. This church started with a God-inspired, Holy Spirit-ignited vision from heaven. God has given us a vision, and I want you to know we're not distracted. We're not looking to the right or to the left. We're not swerving around. We got our eyes focused on the vision that's ahead of us. And friends, can I tell you, when you get a God-inspired vision, you commit your life to it. You give your resources to it. You'll commit everything you've got to see the vision come to pass. And friends, we don't have time to back down. We can't get distracted. God has called us to do a great work as a church. And we're going to move forward with the vision that God has given us. What I want to talk to you about for the next few moments is some dream killers. Three dream killers. Got a vision and you're texting and your eyes are off the vision and you're swerving. And the thing about the local church, when we get our eyes off the vision and we start swerving, it doesn't just damage us. It affects hundreds and thousands of people. Let me talk to you about three dream killers that'll stop the dream in your life. That'll stop the vision that God has given you. Number one is this. I want to talk to you from the children of Israel. Number one is this, living by fear. Living by fear. God had given the children of Israel a promise, a vision, that they would take this land called the promised land. It's yours. I want to take you there. And yet they got off focus. They got distracted. And the first dream killer I want to share with you about the children of Israel is living by fear. Notice what the scripture says in Numbers 13, verse 27 through 28. The word of God says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the city to which you sent us. If you're not familiar with this story, let me bring you up to speed. Not only did God say, this land is yours, this promised land is yours, but they, they were pursuing it. They were excited about this land flowing with milk and honey. They were excited about God's vision, God's destiny, God's purpose for them as a nation. They were so excited they sent 12 spies to spy out the land. And so the 12 spies came back with this report about the vision, about the direction that God had called the nation to. And I want you to hear what 10 of the 12 spies reported about this vision from the Lord. They say, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And those 10 men came back and fear had gripped their heart. They saw the people and now fear was controlling them. And friends, can I tell you that fear caused the children of Israel to get their eyes off focus of the dream. And they missed out on the promised land. That they were headed in the right direction. They knew this is where the Lord wants us to be. And they were headed in the right direction. They sent spies to check out the land. And yet they got distracted by fear. And whenever people begin to live their life by fear... They miss out on the vision that God has for them. Some of you in this place, God has given you a vision. He's given you a dream that's in your heart that has not come to fruition yet. And some of you have been gripped by fear. You've been paralyzed by fear. 
and you're no longer pursuing the vision. Matter of fact, around this world, there are a lot of people today who are paralyzed by fear. I mean, people say, well, look at the economy. We're in a recession. There's no way we could move forward and do what God... I mean, fear. I mean, Herbert, have you heard about the housing markets around the nation? House house prices are dropped. Fear. Everything's driven by fear. Herbert, I mean, haven't you seen the stock market? I mean, it's very lackluster, not performing. Where fear grips people's hearts. I mean, Herbert, haven't you seen the report? Over 2 million Americans have lost their job. Fear, and if you're not careful, all the things around you, all the giants around you can paralyze you and stop you from moving forward with the God, not a good idea, with a God-inspired, it can stop you from moving forward. And here's what the Word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. I want you to understand, church, that as people of God, as followers of Christ, as Christians, we shouldn't respond the same way that the world responds. There should be a difference. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. And yet some of you as followers of Christ are been driven by a spirit of fear. You've been motivated by fear. Every decision you make is based in fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We shouldn't respond the same way the world responds. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, We live by faith. Everybody shout faith. faith. Come on, shout it again. Faith. faith. Listen, we as God's people live by faith. Faith, not by sight. Fear is sight-driven. That's what happened to the ten spies. They went into the promised land and they saw those folks there and they said, these people are like giants. They are powerful and they were driven by sight. Fear is sight-driven. And people look at economy, they look at issues, they look at obstacles, and they start making decisions based in fear. Fear is sight-driven, but faith is God-driven. Everybody shout God-driven. Fear is sight-driven. Faith is God-driven. And we need to be God-driven people, people who are full of faith in God and His ability. And I want you to understand that people's church will be driven by faith and not by fear. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're going to use wisdom. In the days that we're living in, we're going to operate with wisdom. We should use wisdom. But there's a difference between wisdom and living in fear. I want you to know as a church, the vision that God has given us, we're not shrinking back. We're not backing down. We're not taking it easy. We're not going on cruise control. We're not fearful of everything around us. We are moving forward with the God-inspired vision that God has given us. We're moving forward. We're not distracted as a church. We're going to continue to be a church that's diversified. We're going to be a church where different skin colors backgrounds, ages, economic backgrounds, denominations come together and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. 
We're going to be done. Listen, the world says, even some church people say, there is no way that a church can be diversified. But can I tell you, when the love of Jesus Christ is flowing through a group of people, there is, listen, we can be unified and diversified at the same time. It's a mandate for this church. I want you to understand something about this church. It's okay for you to be different. We don't have to be like each other. Listen, I know all of y'all don't like chitlins. That's all right. You ain't got to be like your pastor eating chitlins and black-eyed peas. I'll pray for you. Amen. It's okay that your neighbor is different from you. It's okay that we don't all look alike. It's okay that we don't all act alike. It's okay that we don't all see things the, the, the same way. But can I tell you, we rally behind the most important thing. There's something that unifies us. There's something that's stronger than any other thing, any political party, any denomination. And that's Jesus Christ. And we've rallied behind Jesus. And we've come together to make a difference in this city and this world. We will be a church that's diversified and unified. At the same time, we will be a church. We don't just tolerate diversity. We celebrate it. We're moving forward. We're not distracted. I want you to understand something. This church will continue to reach kids and teenagers. And to train them up. With the good news of Jesus Christ, we're aggressively going after kids and teenagers. One of the things that I'm really excited about in this new facility that we'll be moving into in a few months, we're going to triple our kids' space. We desperately need it. But we're going to be able to reach more kids with the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only are we tripling our kids' space, we're raising our level of excellence to invest in more kids, to see them trained up to be warriors for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited in our youth ministry. One of the things that we're changing in the new facility is on Sundays, we're working to have a room that's set aside for our junior hires to make a more seamless transition. When a kid get, gets out of fifth grade, we're going to be able to transition them into a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade experience right here on Sunday morning where they can connect with their own age group and worship, hear a message that's relevant to their age group. We're going to be adding that on Sunday mornings in the new facilities. I'm telling you, we're going to continue to reach kids and youth with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to keep our worship experience for youth going on Wednesday nights and impacting their lives. We are going to aggressively reach kids and teenagers and train them up with the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. Kids and teenagers matter to God. Amen? They, ma they matter. They matter to God. And we got, we're not distracted. We're not moving. We're not backing down off the vision that God has given us. We are moving forward to see more lives change. We want to see you growing spiritually as a church. I want to see you reading your Bible. I want to see you praying daily, worshiping God, being a self-feeder, getting into God's word for yourself. And we want to help you do that. And one of the ways that we help people grow spiritually around here is by getting you connected to one of our community groups. It's just so important that, listen, you can worship with the crowd, but you can't fellowship with one. And, man, God has not called us to do life all by ourselves, to be an isolated Christian. We need our church family. We need one another. I value my community group that I go to, men that hold me accountable, help me grow spiritually, challenge me. Our families get together. We eat together. We go over to one another's homes and do life together and spend time together. I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing when you get connected with another group of believers and they challenge you, hold you accountable, help you grow spiritually. And I want that for you. Once again, in the back of your seat pocket, that community group card. I challenge you to fill that out, to get it turned in. We'll, you can go start your own group. We'll get you connected with it. We want to help you grow 
spiritually here at this church. Another thing that we do at this church, and we're adding in the new facility, we're going to have space to do it, is on Wednesday nights, we're going to start a discipleship program for our kids. And so there's going to be a worship experience again for our kids with a different emphasis on discipleship on Wednesday nights. Something else that we're going to do as a church, because let me paint the picture right now. We've got our large group setting. That, that's right here in this place today. We have a large group. There'll be, you know, around 2,000 uh, people here worshiping in the four experiences. And so we have a large group setting on Sunday. And then right now we have a small group setting. And that's, you know, 3 to 10, 12 people connecting in a community group together. And what we're going to add in the new facility is a medium group setting. Because some of you, 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 you get a little nervous about jumping from a large group to a small group. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I don't know nobody. I don't want to go to nobody's house, and I don't know them. And I hear you, Lord. Help them, Jesus. Help them, Lord. But anyways, so what we're doing is adding a medium group setting on Wednesday nights. And on Wednesday nights, we're going to have Bible study. We're going to have worship on Wednesday nights, teaching, communion once a month together as a church family. And this will be a place where you can meet people, hear God's word, teach you to read your Bible for yourself, but connect with people so that you move out of the large group into the medium-sized group, out of the medium-sized group into a small group where you can grow spiritually. That, that's coming. And then we're just excited about seeing you grow spiritually and closer to the Lord. There's something else that we're not backing down off of. God has got given us a vision to impact this city. And through our missions efforts, we want to continue to impact this city and the world. We're going to continue to support missionaries. We're going to continue to plant other churches across America and around the world. And something that God is really burdening my heart with. It just, it's a burning desire. And God's challenging me, speaking to our leadership team about this, is how do we make a greater impact in our city? The question that I think about is this. If people's church no longer existed in people's church, would anybody know? And God has called us to make an impact. Here's the things that we're going to step up and we're already doing it. You've seen the strategic partners videos. We're making a difference, but God's called us to make a greater difference. Listen, get, God's blessed this church. He blesses with people. He's blessed us with great talent. He's blessed us with resources. And to whom much is given, much is required. And the questions that are rolling through my heart is, Lord, how do we in a greater way feed the poor and clothe the poor? How do we make a greater impact? Something else that's really stirring in my heart is, God, how do we not only feed the poor and clothe the poor, but how do we get them out of poverty? I don't want to just continue to give people a fish. I want to teach them to fish. And so we're just dreaming, we're strategizing. God's given us, we're going to have more facility. We're, Lord, how do we, what, who do we partner with? Where do we spend resources? Who do we connect with? What do we start to help people get out of poverty? Lord, because people's churches here in this community, we want the violence to go down. How do we get more people off drugs? How do we get the violence to stop? What can we do to make a difference to be light in this city? Uh, the, the things that are just rolling in my heart about our missions, our missions dollars is, is, Lord, how do we get more kids to quit dropping out of school and get them educated and get them off to college to get an education? Who do we partner with? Who do we connect with? Where do we spend? How do we do it? And we're dreaming and we're praying, and we're strategizing because we have a holistic approach to the gospel, not spiritually, but we want to see people develop in every arena arena of their life to make a kingdom impact for God. Church, are you with me? We're going to make a difference in Oklahoma City. We're not backing down. We're not shrinking back. We're not scared. We're not fearful. We got our eyes on the vision that God has given us. The number one reason 
that we're going to live by faith and not by fear. The number one reason is this. It's because every single day, people are dying without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're spending eternity separated from God. It messes with me. It haunts me at times to think and look at our city, look at the places that I frequent and think they don't know Christ. They'll spend eternity separated from God. I want it to haunt you. I want it to mess you up. I want it to, I do not want you to go through life flippantly and see people and think, well, too bad for you. You don't know. No, 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 no. Without Christ, they'll spend eternity in a place called hell. The people you work with, your neighbors, your friends, your family. And we're not backing down. We're going to reach people who are far from God. The scripture says this, Jesus said in Luke 19 in verse number 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The primary reason that Jesus came to earth was to seek lost humanity, that humanity would turn to a loving God. That was his primary purpose for coming, and we're going to be about the Father's business, reaching people are far from God. Peter said this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. You say, Herbert, what promise is he talking about? That's Jesus Christ coming back for his church. And maybe you're thinking, when's the Lord coming back? I mean, doesn't he see the economic problems in the nation? Doesn't he see the turmoil? Doesn't he see the violence? Why isn't the Lord coming back yet for his church? Well, I'll tell you why right here. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone, everybody shout everyone. Oh, come on, shout it like you mean it. Shout everyone. But everyone to come to repentance. God wants every single person. He sees the violence. He sees the chaos. He sees the turmoil. But he says, listen, son, don't go yet. There are more people. I want everyone to repent and to give their heart to me. And friends, can I tell you that this church is going to continue to be a hospital where people who are sick, broken, lost, confused, come in and encounter the power and presence of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, if you are perfect here today, we don't want you to come back no more. Amen. You are messing up our church. Because we got a church full of messed up people, jacked up people, confused people, but they're seeking truth and answers through Jesus Christ. And I want this church to be a church where you're comfortable inviting your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers who don't know Christ to come to a safe place where people aren't being snooty and judging them and looking down on them and pointing out all their faults, but they're comfortable coming to this place, a safe place to hear a dangerous message, the uncompromising message of Jesus Christ and to see their life transformed by Jesus Christ. This church, listen, this is not a retirement home. It's not us four no more. This is a hospital. And how many know hospitals deal with sick people? And that's what this church is all about. We're going to continue to aggressively reach people who are far from God. I better move on. I'm still on point number one. Amen. I better look at here. Brother, get to talking about vision. I get to going on. I I, like to energize the buddy on and on. Let me move on. Point number two. Point number two. There is a second dream killer. Number two is this, listening to negative people. Listening to negative people. When you begin to listen to 
negative people, it can distract you from pursuing the vision, the dream that God has given you. I think about the Israelites. God had given them a vision, and yet it did not come to pass because they listened to ten negative leaders. This blows me away. Ten negative people influence two million people not to pursue the vision that God put before them. And these two million people had a chance to be a part of something great. These two million people had a chance to be a part of a miracle. These two million people had a chance to be history makers for God. And yet they let ten people distract them away from the vision. Let me share it with you in Scripture. Numbers chapter 13, verse 31. Here's what the ten people reported back to the people. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Fear. There's fear. Fear grips their heart. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Some of you in this place today, you have a vision from God. You have a dream from God. And you're being distracted right now because some people are spreading a bad report. And you're not pursuing the vision anymore. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. There's fear again. Fear is driven by sight. We see the size of those people. We see, I mean, look at all the obstacles there. We saw the Nephilim there. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. And they spread this negative report to the Israelites. And I want you to see how it affected the entire Israelite nation. Numbers 14, the next chapter, verse number 1 says this, that night all the people, everybody say all. Notice that 10 people, negative people, influenced all the people of the community, raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They began to speak negative of leadership and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. What a mentality. Only if we had died in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? That's not God's intention at all. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better? Listen to this thinking. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? No. But negative people influence two million people. And I love verse 4. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Israel, I got news for you. You don't need a leader to take you backwards. You can get you a wimp to take you back to Egypt. I mean, they don't take no leader. I mean, you can get you a wimp. You don't need a leader to stay where you are. I mean, you don't have to pick no leader to take you back to Egypt. Just pack your bags, honey, and get on back to Egypt. It takes a leader to take you to God's preferred future. It takes a leader to say, this is the vision that God has given us. I don't care about the giants. I don't care about the obstacles. I don't care that we look like grasshoppers. We're going to do thus, saith the Lord. It takes a leader to take you to the future, not to take you backwards. And here they are, negative people. Having them, want, they want to now go backwards instead of forward. It'll kill your dream. There, there's a third dream killer that I want to share with you quickly. Number three is this. No confidence in God. No confidence in God. When people lack confidence in God, it distracts them from the vision. They get their eyes off vision road. The scripture says in Numbers chapter 14, verse number 11. Listen to these people, what the Lord says about Israel. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse 
to believe in me. In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed before among them. He says, I've done the miraculous. I brought them out of Egypt with my mighty hand. I, I let them cross through the, through the Red Sea on dry ground because of my miraculous power. I've been feeding them manna in the desert with my miraculous hand. And they still don't have confidence in me. After all I've done for this nation, they still don't believe in me. And I want you to hear what Caleb and Joshua's response was just a few verses earlier. This is for our church. This is for your life. Hear this today. It says, if the Lord is pleased with us, and I want to remind you, Caleb and Joshua went to the promised land. If the Lord is pleased with us, if the Lord is honored by what we're doing and how we're living and being unified and moving towards the vision and walking by faith, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I know there's giants. I know there's obstacles. And he will give it to us. Only Israel, do not rebel against the Lord. Don't start living by fear. Don't start backing down. Don't start getting this negative mentality. Don't rebel against the Lord. Keep confidence in God. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. Hear this church. This is for people's church. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord is with people's church. No man, no group of people, no organization could manufacture what we've experienced the last six and a half years. To God be all the glory. Every single Sunday, people give their hearts to Christ. Lives are being changed. People are being restored and being brought back together. Miracles are taking place. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord's hand is upon us. And we're not distracted. God's given us a vision. And we're moving full speed ahead to see more lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ. I want you to know we're still dreaming. I have a dream and we're moving forward to see the dream come to pass. If you never heard me put the dream like this, I want to share with you the dream of this church. I have a dream to see a church with worldwide influence. A church so large in size that cities and nations are impacted by its ministries. A church growing so quickly that buildings struggle to contain the increase. I have a dream to see a church where there is a diversity of cultures, ages, and economic backgrounds worshiping the King of Kings. I have a dream to see a church that always has heartfelt praise and worship that touches heaven and changes earth with the worship that exalts Jesus Christ through powerful songs of faith and hope. I have a dream 
to see a church that is so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are unified, praying, and full of the Holy Spirit. I have a dream to see a church whose message is so clear that lives are changed forever and potential is fulfilled through the power of His Word. I have a dream to see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I have a dream that people are so kingdom-minded they count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep the Oklahoma City metro and the entire world. I have a dream to see a church so committed to raising, training, and empowering a leadership generation to reap the end-time harvest that all of its ministries are consumed with this goal. I have a dream. To see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, whose focus is the Great Commission. And with God's help, that church will be our church, people's church. This church is full of vision. We're not backing down. We're not shrinking up. We're not going on cruise control. We're moving forward to do what God has called us to do. Are you ready, people's church? Are you ready?